Well, hello, listeners. Hello and welcome to Homo Sapiens, live from, well, semi-live, from the Australian Outback. I am in the middle of five bazillion miles of red dirt, because, well, because I'm making my TV show. As I may have mentioned, it's just so beautiful where we are. The sunrises and the sunsets out here are just every single day completely magical, you know, We drive to work at five in the morning, for example. You see a kangaroo, emus just running around. I went up into like the hills of Adelaide and had lunch at like a winery, which basically looks exactly like France. And it's like hills and full of like rows and rows of vineyards. You know, you're just sitting there eating lunch and like hundreds of emus. I think they're emus anyway. Emus or ostriches never know the difference. Uh, hundreds of them just go like zipping past. It really is a truly magical place out here, I've got to say. And I've experienced a sort of small scale dust storm. I've also experienced a willy willy. Now, listeners, that's not what you think it is. A willy willy is a very small, tiny little whipping up of wind that looks like a mini like cartoon cyclone. But it's not dangerous at all. Like one will just suddenly appear next to you and go... It would like swirl, bring up loads of dust. It's quite interesting. They're, <laughs> they're sort of comedy. It's like something from the Tasmanian Devil, basically. But I was in a sort of some form of small scale windstorm yesterday. So my face has gone bright red and everyone keeps saying I've got a tan. I'm like, I'm not. I've just actually just been lashed by the desert. But, you know, maybe it'll maybe it'll settle into a tan. So I have been having a lovely time. I hope you have all been having a lovely time. I understand that some lockdown measures are easing over there. Is everybody booking tables at pubs so you can set outside? Literally everybody I know is like, right, I've booked a slot, whatever pub. Everyone's having to go to like random pubs they've never been to because it's the only place they can get a slot. So I'm loving the uh, the ingenuity of like people taking it in turns to do consecutive bookings at tables and stuff <laughs> so that they can get a good slot at the pub. And I think the first one was midday. My friends are like, booked it, going in at midday. I cannot wait cannot cannot wait to see the photos from that night but you know obviously everyone i hope you're doing it all safely and as the guidelines are if in doubt obey the rules said nobody fun (coughs) do you know what else i'm loving about being here my husband's very tidy and i adore him as you all know he's very tidy and i'm quite messy i try and be really tidy around him But not here. I've been really messy and I've really, really enjoyed it. So I actually am looking at a bench of clothes which would bring him out in hives, which is just all the clothes I brought with me, just randomly slung on top of each other. I actually really enjoy the process of walking over there in the morning, 5am normally, and just rootling around in it and like a sort of um, tombola seeing what I get and going, oh, that'll work. My other favourite pastime is that where my hotel room is, because we're a big big gang all out here, where my hotel room is, it sort of looks out onto the sort of concourse where everyone walks past. So we all kind of, we're all together all the time. What I do is I sort of sit outside my room and I'm like old Mother Hubbard. I sort of watch the comings and goings. I'm also opposite of the washing line, which today has been getting quite the action because it's our only day where we can do any washing. It's been each man woman or who identifies neither for themselves out by that washing line let me tell you i semi-skipped it i just couldn't be bothered i feel like i'm gonna regret that around about thursday because if you go out in the outback during the day uh you come back (laughs) you come back looking like you have been dipped in red dust 
everything is covered in dust. It's not like, you know, you can't be like, oh, wear that tomorrow. Um, but, you know, that's tomorrow's problem, as they say. Anyway, what is going on? What is Homo Sapiens Extra? I hear you cry. Homo Sapiens Extra is where we read your emails and your delightful feedback on our previous episodes. It's where we do a bit of LGBTQ plus news. We do Topic of the Week. We do Culture Club, where you guys share what you've been cooking, what you've been reading, what you've been watching. And we've got an extra special Homo Sapiens Extra today, because we'll be teaming up with Now, who have recently rebranded from Now TV to Now for a bit of an extended Culture Club. Whilst I've been all alone in the outback, I've been working my way through some of the many titles on Now. If you like things that are funny, yet also completely and utterly dramatic, look no further than Succession. It is absolutely gripping. I think I watched it in one sitting. Hysterical performances. So good. Make sure you watch that. Big Little Lies. I watched a ton of that as well absolutely love that show and then i've been dipping into some of the old classics like vicar of dibley oh my god so funny i also watched the truman show which is one of my all-time favorite films and actually remembering how amazing jim carrey was and is way back then was so much fun and that film is so brilliant shawshank redemption i watched as well i think that's still voted number one on imdb that film it's aged beautifully. And then I watched Jojo Rabbit, which is, oh my God, a brilliant cast, including Rebel Wilson. Such a funny movie. You guys have to watch it. And then I watched Judy with Renee Zellweger, who is just an incredible performance. I've been getting through them all, I tell you. And the ones I'm looking forward to that are also on now, Mayor of East Town, which is Kate Winslet's new show, which I'm very excited to watch. It's had amazing reviews. Kate Winslet is better than ever. And it's a show basically it's set in the depths of Pennsylvania and Kate plays this cop and it's a kind of murder mystery and the first two episodes are out now on now and there's a load more so have a look on now there's so many brilliant shows and films to watch in celebration of now tv becoming now we're asking you what tv and film has changed your life that is our topic of the week. We'll be talking about which TV and film have changed your life and why. And can I just say, we've never had such a massive reaction. Thank you so much for all, your, all of you writing in. I can't wait to like read you all the, play you all the voice notes, read you all the voice notes, read you all the emails. You know what I mean. So that is all coming up. But first of all, what did you think of last week's interview with Zach and Oscar about LGBT safe spaces? If you missed it, you know what to do. Go over to your favourite podcast provider, download the episode and have a listen. It was a truly nutritious and delicious episode. Speaking of Oscar and Zach, Robin got in touch. Subject heading was Queer Cafes. And Robin said, hi, I was listening to your most recent episode. Thank you, Robin. And I wanted to let you know about a great queer spot in Toronto, Canada called Glad Day. Sorry, small burp. I've just eaten. Because this is a non-eating podcast, you see, I just ate about nine rice cakes before I came on. And they're these salt and vinegar ones, which, with more salt and vinegar on than I've ever tasted in my life. They're Actually, my mouth is watering talking about them. They are so delicious. Anyway, they, one of them was just trying to get back out for a moment, but it's gone, it's gone away. It's seeded. It's given in. Uh, anyway, Glad Day. Back to Glad Day. It started as a bookstore, but it's now also a cafe, a restaurant, and a bar, and an event space. Ah, oh, wicked. Well, that's good to give it a shout out. Glad Day in Toronto, Canada. And then Robin says, thank you for the lovely podcast. Robin brackets they forward slash them. Robin, what a delight. Thank you so much. 
Then, speaking of Toronto, we've only got an email from Colin, who's written to us about Tom Allen. Hello from Toronto, Canada. I love your podcast so very much. I listen and re-listen to all your episodes. That's nice of you. Thank you. But the interview I keep going back to is Tom Allen. What a delightfully heartfelt and insightful conversation. I'm part of the International Bake Off family, so I've been a Tom Allen fan for quite some time. What an absolute gem. Oh, Colin, brilliant. I think Colin was on Bake Off. Any woodles? <laughs> love it. Any woodles? Never heard that. Thank you for creating such a heartwarming and thought-provoking content. Sending lots of love. Colin, you send us love. We send you love. Thank you for writing in. Colin, can you also write in top, quick, easy baking recipe for our listeners for Culture Club? We've also had a lovely... Hang on, this is from Canada as well. What's going on in Canada? This is another email from Canada. (laughs) From Tim. Lovely Tim. He loved the Alok episode. Dear Alan and Chris... I keep a mini whiteboard on my fridge when I'm listening to the radio and when I hear a snippet of dialogue that captures the essence of a conversation, I jot down the words on the whiteboard for future reference. I love that. It's like an old-fashioned version of like saving an Instagram post. Today, listening to your conversation with Alok, I ran out of space on my whiteboard uh and resorted to note-taking in my desktop because so much wise content was being succinctly distilled into few words. I finally gave in to writer's cramp and told myself just to bookmark the podcast and play it on repeat. Oh, lovely. Alok is delightful. Thank you for introducing me to them. In an earlier letter to you, I had lamented how I was missing queer dialogue in my daily life due to the pandemic social restrictions at a time when I was really craving a queer perspective to help sort out my internal dialogue. I thought of paying a professional to listen, but instead I just kept tuning into your conversations and found myself being repeatedly comforted that I was not alone in my thoughts that were bouncing around in my brain. I was hearing ideas and emotions that I couldn't quite untangle. I particularly enjoyed Alec's description of moving from queer angst to catalyzing queer joy. So yeah, listening to Homo sapiens has been cheaper than therapy. Yes! I love that, Tim, and I suspect much more beneficial and certainly more entertaining. For that, I thank you. Tim from Kentville, Nova Scotia, comma, obviously Canada, because that's where everyone writes to us from. Tim, thank you. What a lovely email. I remember you writing in before from Nova Scotia, and uh, it's a joy to hear from you again, and I am so pleased. Our random chatterings on this here podcast is a tonic, because it's what it's all about, quite frankly. Uh, That makes me really happy, and Alok is just well worth listening to on repeat. If anyone hasn't listened to that yet, go look it up. Also, on our delightful crew on my show, lots of members of the LGBT community, which is really nice, because, you know... One wants someone else to talk to about Destiny's Child when you're in between takes. And we're all going for dinner in a bit. It's some sort of chicken sausage situation that gets cooked quite a lot here, and I love it. Listener Catherine has been in touch with a lovely picture of a snow-covered burgundy. Not writing from Canada, Catherine. From teas and BBQ to fires and thermals, but always with Homo Sapiens podcast to keep me company as I walk the hounds here in Burgundy, listening to the wonderful Chris Sweeney and Alan Cumming. Yeah, and then Catherine has posted a picture of the snowiest, beautiful place where she obviously goes for a walk. Catherine, that is absolute heaven on earth, and we just love you writing in. Thank you. We've had an email and an episode recommendation from the lovely John Dean. Hey, Chris and Homo Sapiens team. Thank you for addressing the Homo Sapiens team there, John, because we are a big team, big team of wonderful people who work very hard to bring this, this here pod into life. Don't know why I did that in a sort of Cornish accent. Um, really been enjoying the podcast. Just discovered it in lockdown. Also, sidebar, 
Uh, every time I've ever done an accent, it really pisses people off, so I probably shouldn't have done that. Oh, well. Um, I'd love to hear an episode on making queer friendships. I'm nearly 30 and reflect on my 20s with a tinge of sadness that I didn't make many friendships with gay or queer people. I've always found it difficult to make friends with gay men. I don't particularly feel like I fit in or know where to meet queer people on a friendship basis. It's difficult being surrounded by straight people and watching their lives develop in a very linear and traditional way. That's funny. There's someone, I can't remember who it was who said it. I'm sure I've said it before on this podcast. But someone said to a gay person, what's being gay like? And they said, lots of straight people, which always makes me howl with laughter. John goes on. I've found when I get close to gay men, it becomes confused whether it's a sexual relationship or friendship. Unfortunately, the other person usually gets the wrong idea and makes a move which sours things. All right, for some, John. Be interested to hear your thoughts on it, John. On it. From John. Not, he's not asking John. There is no John here at Homo sapiens at time of print. Well, that's very interesting. And I think maybe we should do one of our Homo sapiens extra episodes on queer friendship, don't you? What do you think of it? Do you think it's its own special thing? I do. I have. I am blessed, I have to say, to have wonderful, wonderful queer friends with whom there has never, not all of them, but with lots of them, the, uh, there's never been any kind of weird sexual tension. And um, I don't know what that's about. I think I've often struggled. I've often found my taste, shall I say apart from my delightful husband, obviously, but I think my taste was quite different to other people's. And actually, weirdly, being gay, you get a bit embarrassed about that at first. You know, being blunt. Like, when I was younger, like 20, I didn't want to go out with someone my own age. I wanted to go out with someone who was, like, 35. And that seemed very old to me at that time, and I didn't really talk about it, and I didn't really do it. Actually, I did see someone who was older, quite a bit older, who was about 32, when I was about 21, 22. But I was really embarrassed about it, and... Why am I saying this? Because I think that I, it was probably easier for me to just have friends who I w- wasn't attracted to because my friends were my age, if that makes any sense. Um, but I don't think you have to have queer friends if you don't want them. But I also think it's, it is a lovely thing to have because people who very quickly see the world from your perspective is incredibly useful and can make you f- feel like less like an outsider on a regular basis, which is, you know, always lovely. So, you know, John, we have a Homo sapiens Facebook group, which you can join. And there's lots of people in there who, which might um, be of assistance. I'd really like to hear what listeners think about that. And if you've had the similar situation or if you can relate to what John is talking about, let's open it up. This is one big family and many hands make light work many minds make light work let's try it thank you for writing in john this isn't the last you're going to hear of this now shall we get on with topic of the week today we have teamed up with now to talk about which film and tv have changed your life thank you all so much for getting involved it's um it's been a full-time job for about 14 people, just managing the inbox because you all wrote so many lovely, lovely messages. So we did a load of polls on Instagram. If you don't follow us, follow us at Homo Sapiens. Get involved. It's where it's all happening. You see pictures of me running away from spiders. You see pissy quotes from scions of the LGBTQ plus community. What more could we want? So we threw a ton of questions out there to get the conversation going about our favourite moments on screen. Who is the best on-screen LGBTQ plus couple, was my first question. Now, we had David and Patrick from Schitt's Creek, Jack and Ennis from Brokeback Mountain, lots of results from that. 
Lots of chatter, set tongues wagging. We had Carol and Susan from Friends. Oh my God, love. We had Shug and Seely from The Colour Purple. Wow. Um, we had Angel and Collins from Rent. And we had Holt and Kevin from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Well, David and Patrick won 79% of the vote against 21% for Jack and Ennis from Brokeback Mountain. As Shit's Creek continues to take the world by storm, Carol and Susan from Friends bit the dust to Shug and Seely from The Colour Purple. And Holt and Kevin from Brooklyn Nine-Nine beat out Angel and Collins from Rent with 66% of the vote. Mm, well done. Now, Jack and Ennis, it's really... I haven't watched uh, Brokeback Mountain for a long, long time. And as um, I prattled on to the wonderful Russell T Davies in our episode about It's a Sin, Jack and Ennis was a really pivotal moment for me. But interestingly... People say how it's become really problematic and there's different tropes and things that it represents. And we've got a voice note from Trudy, actually, uh, about this very thing. Let's have a listen. I think there's a growing trend of judging past pop culture by today's standards. And it doesn't work because what's acceptable and celebrated has changed so much, even in just the, like, the last 10 years. Brokeback Mountain, by today's standards, is problematic. It's straight actors. It uses the kill your gaze trope and there's that sex scene in the tent. But it doesn't change the fact that in 2004, me and my gay friend would repeatedly watch it at sleepovers. I even have a quote from it tattooed on my leg. Representation changes over time, as it should, as the world changes. But there's a power in remembering the history and where we came from. Also, one thing that I think I should make clear, even though I am fully entrenched in LGBTQ life and have grown up with it and love it and it is my life. I myself identify as straight. I'd love to feature on your show, but I know that it's a place for queer voices and I don't want to take a queer space. So if you still want to feature me, that would be amazing. But if not, totally, totally understand. Trudy, what a lovely message. And we would love to feature you. Shall I tell you for why? Because this is one big family and everybody is welcome. The more we have lovely people who... In fact, it isn't under their nose what the LGBTQ plus experience because they're living it. The people who take interest, even though it's not their lived experience, for me are winner, winner, chicken dinner. So thank you for taking the time to get in touch. It makes me so happy and I know it will make all listeners out there happy too. The kill your gays trope. Now that's when if anyone features in a gay story, they end up getting murdered. Is that right? Um, but interesting what you say that we judge things against previous history and i think it's important that we learn we seek to improve but also um you know uh, acknowledge that things may not be right you know that doesn't mean they didn't do something amazing at the time if any of you follow gina martin the activist on instagram i adore her she was one who got the law against upskirting introduced among many other things she's just an inspiration at gina martin on instagram anyway she literally wrote a post about this the other day saying i've been struggling at the moment as i look back at the last five years with a new lens i was 25 when i started campaigning i'm now almost 30 i'm learning things that make me reevaluate so much of what i've said and done i want to grow and change with this work but that doesn't make it any less intense when it's happening especially when it's front of 100k plus people and on a platform, you regularly receive critique and abuse on. However, it's necessary. I feel so deeply pivoting my activism and being critical about my own approaches to my work is part of the gig. I hope I can come out of this a better person and campaigner. Um, 
talking about growing and then Emma, Emma Gannon who's an amazing podcaster as well she commented underneath saying I read something Adam Grant said recently about how if you don't cringe at your past self you haven't grown it's the most amazing sign of growth because you've improved your skills and raised your standards and I think that deserves celebrating I couldn't agree more and I don't know if Gina's talking about a specific event that she's talking about I don't know but you know if you don't cringe at your previous self you haven't grown it's a really good point and one that goodness me Goodness me, can I relate to? Because it's all a work in progress. Now then, our second poll was, who is your favourite LGBTQ plus protagonist? I mean, an embarrassment of rich is Alan Cumming being 90% of mine. But we asked you, Hedwig from Hedwig in the Angry Inch or Tyson Mason from Billions? Well, it was a steamroller with 81% going to Hedwig. Or Lafayette Reynolds from True Blood, neck and neck with Albert from The Birdcage. Oh my God, played by Nathan Lane. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, 54% voted for Lafayette, 46 for Albert. So Lafayette in the lead. And then best LGBTQ plus protagonist again, Will Truman from Will and Grace or Andy Beckett from Philadelphia. Will from Will and Grace won with 56% of the votes, leaving Tom Hanks trailing with 44%. And, you know, also people chatter on about that, that film being problematic, but again, at the time, pivotal. Then you wrote in with some lovely protagonists, other people who you love, the Broad City Girls, yes, Kate Blanchett and Carol, oh my God, Carol. And psst, guess what? Next, next episode of Homo Sapiens, we are talking to the producer of Carol, Christine Vachon, exclusive uh, hot topic, hot info, intel, intel, um, because we're going to tie in the Oscars and all of that. Very exciting episode coming up. Cannot wait for you to hear that. Um, Miss Frazzle from the Magical School Bus. We all knew what was up, says Ward of the Ricks. That's hysterical. Lalisandra says, I love William Hill from This Is Us. Such a beautiful person. David O'Hare got in touch to say that Sean Penn as Harvey Milk. Oh, God, that movie written by Dustin Lance Black, Tom Daly's husband. The band's a genius. Milk is actually also available on now, should you wish to go and watch it. Darren got in touch about the one and only Colin and Barry from EastEnders, the first LGBT gay kiss shown on British soap opera, no less. So Colin and Barry in EastEnders were the first domestic gay characters I'd seen on screen who were not portrayed as being destined for a life of unhappiness and misery just because they were gay. They were as unhappy and miserable as everyone else in Albert Square. And that was awesome. <laughs> you know, it's a big gay win when you're celebrating that everyone is as, as, as miserable as everyone else in Albert Square. That's the equality we want. That was a while ago, right? That was around 1986, 87. And Colin was portrayed by Michael Cashman, no less. Michael Cashman, CBE, who has recently just released a book and he is a member of the House of Lords and he's the founder of Stonewall. Um, so what a brilliant, fascinating history. We must come on the podcast. I feel like we've been speaking about that for some time. We've got, I need to make it happen because the man is an absolute trailblazer without any shadow of a doubt. And you know what? All those things, all those gay kisses, all those gay moments, we all remember them so well because they're so important. So I'm so pleased that you got in touch, Darren. Thank you. Hello, homo sapiens. Oh, now Adam's been in touch. Let's listen to his voice note. So the reason I think Kurt and Justin from Glee and Ugly Betty was so important to me is 
even though I hadn't come out, I was very, well, very obviously gay. I was very camp, I was very theatrical and loved to dress up and out there. And back in the 2010s and before, that wasn't very, that wasn't very common. It was very obvious um, and kind of put a target on my back. So these were very outwardly camp femme teenagers who were bullied who faced all of the usual obstacles I was. And then they kind of found these people who, not as femme as them, and they kind of went on a journey together, really. And so it was really special to me. It kind of showed that I was deserving of love as well. And both of their families kind of went on a similar journey to my family. So, like, Kurt's dad, very butch, very much not in that world and although struggled with the outwardness of Kurt's behaviour ultimately came to be the most supportive which was very similar to my own family they went on that journey and ultimately showed that I was deserving of love and it was achievable it was attainable um which I didn't think it was I think a lot of gay kids especially like me thought that that connection and that level of a love story was never going to be attainable for them. And ultimately, it was. And, yeah, it just makes you feel seen. It makes you feel included and valuable. So, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. What a beautiful, beautiful story. Full of highs, full of lows. And it is so true. It is so lovely to hear that your family did their little about turn. And I think... What we're talking about with film and TV here is we're talking about stories. They're all stories. And if we can see a story that relates to the kind of people that we are, it's something that you can point at and say to your family, that's me. That's the person I am. That representation has huge effects to thousands and thousands of people who are young and going through pivotal moments in their life. So it just fills me with joy to hear that you were able to have Kurt from Glee and Justin from Ugly Betty, both who I love, as people who represented that for you so thank you we did another poll favorite lgbtq plus icon i mean pff, i'm zipping to the front i'm gonna say Cher lloyd from clueless was she called Cher lloyd no no Cher lloyd's the pop star what was she called Cher? Cher from clueless let me google what was her surname first person to write in with Cher from clueless's surname gets a free t-shirt in whatever size you want i say that depends what's in the cupboard Cher Horowitz would never have guessed that. God, and I'm obsessed with that film. Played by Alyssa Silverstone. Such a gay icon. But they weren't in the poll because I'm disorganised. The choices we gave you were Zoe Kravitz or Meryl Streep. It's a toughie. Meryl absolutely got 72% of the vote, leaving Zoe Kravitz miles behind with 28. Someone wrote saying, is Meryl Streep an LGBTQ plus icon? Question mark, question mark, in the messages. Um, uh, As in you saying, I didn't realise she was queer which she's not but she's still a queer icon no then we said isabella rossellini or alison hannigan oh isabella rossellini got 43 percent. alison hannigan got 57 percent. your favorite lgbt superhero on screen coming as somebody who's never watched a superhero film in my life this was all news to me nicole mains is the first trans actor playing a trans superhero she only got 36 percent of the vote Ruby Rose's Batwoman was TV's first openly gay superhero. She got 64% of the vote, so well done, you lot. Now then, 
As a queer person, you know that we all love, we're talking about this with Alan and MJ Rodriguez, actually, about films and TV shows that embody queer messaging with it all sort of being surreptitious and how actually, particularly for me, because I'm so old at the grand old age of 38, my birthday is May 28th, everybody, just so you know, in case anybody wants to get any puzzles to Adelaide, it's probably right about now, time to stop posting. If anybody wants to send any knitwear, Uta, do let me know. Can I just tell you as well, before I continue with the story about MJ Rodriguez and Alan, uh, my mother is such a delightful person that she posted me an Easter egg all the way to Australia. Isn't that kind? It took weeks and weeks to get here. It arrives from chilly England and arrives in boiling hot Australia. I opened the box and it was a M&S Percy Pig Easter egg, but just with one problem. The entire Percy had melted in the Australian heat and Percy was this flat as a pancake. I'm going to post a picture of it on Instagram. I'll put, post it in the story post. A flat Percy. It made me howl with laughter. I have to tell her, actually. I've forgotten to tell her. Very, very sweet. Now then, queer messaging. Percy Pig to queer messaging. Death becomes her or the Matrix. Now, Matrix, the Wachowski sisters have recently come out saying the matrix was a trans allegory all about the gender binary which is why all the ones and zeros which is just fascinating and i love it and also what just totally makes oh what's going on there someone going past picking up their laundry what i enjoyed today was um seeing people's pajamas what pajamas people wear i think it says a lot about a person i like to wear a pair of shorts with a t-shirt can't really wear a full outfit. I feel a bit like I'm dressed to go for dinner if I wear like full pajamas. But I still buy them, thinking I will this time wear them. But I just sit in bed feeling uncomfortable. I feel I feel overdressed. But don't really like just wearing shorts. Don't really like just wearing boxer shorts. Even if it's boiling hot, I still make myself wear them. Cannot sleep naked weirds me out. Odd, isn't it? Because it should absolutely be fine. We were born naked, but no, I like to also like I like a sort of long long trouser in bed i love just being cozy and warm in bed and all i'm going to say is having looked at the washing line this week i'm not alone now where was i death becomes her 72 percent of you said it is a lgbtq plus film that says it all without saying it at all and that is uh sean fay my uh talking about her last time wasn't i a bit obsessed sean fay trans writer and all-round genius she wrote an article about um, Death Becomes Her and the trans allegory messaging. And I just think that we should post it in the show notes. It's a Vice article. Why Death Becomes Her Speaks to Trans Women. Have a read of it. It was a brilliant, brilliant article. And I think we're all so used to getting our secret messaging. And uh, it's so nice to see you all responding to that. Speaking of secret messaging, Top Gun, 37%. X-Men, 63%. I mean... Top Gun, I'm not sure it was that secret, the messaging. It was just homoerotic. Last but not least, we asked you, what are the most iconic LGBTQ plus moments that you have seen on screen? Ian proposing to Mickey and Shameless, 58% versus 42%, the kiss against the tree in Beautiful Thing. Beautiful Thing, one of the first ever queer things I ever watched. Loved it. Um, the Brookside Kiss, OMG, with 57% beat Umar and Johnny's sex in the laundrette in My Beautiful Laundrette. 43%. The Brookside Kiss was Anna Friel. Most iconic LGBTQ plus moment on screen. South in 1959 
I'm afraid I'm going to say I don't know what South is. Sorry. I think it's important to admit when you don't know your queer history because that way we can learn. Um, anyway, that got 8%, so I'm not alone. Because 92% got, of course, God of all gods, Russell T. Davies' show, Queer as Folk, which has just been recommissioned for a new season. Oh my God, do you think they might ask me to direct it? I'm very expensive. Hi, Chris. It's Matthew from Bolton. Big fan of the podcast. My life-changing TV moment has got to be Queer as Folk. Uh, I remember at the time being like maybe 13, 14 and watching it in the dark, under the covers, like having the TV on, really low volume, but knowing and hearing about this programme and just it being such an eye-opener for me and seeing like representation of gay people sort of knowing and coming to terms with my sexuality and then looking back at it now just thinking how much more representation there is these days and how groundbreaking it was at the time but it totally like was my sexual awakening and my first sort of introduction into gay life really and but yeah I just remember it being absolutely amazing and it still is now I know exactly what you mean, being so nervous. I mean, I wouldn't watch it because I was so afraid of people knowing about it. And it felt so forbidden, Queer as Folk, didn't it? All power to Russell for making that show and changing so many of our lives and having this surreptitious little thing we could all relate to. And, you know, my sexual awakening was not Queer as Folk, though, although Charlie Hunnam was obviously a shoo-in. Mine was Elizabeth Shoe. Go with me and Tom Cruise in Cocktail. I was in love with him, and I was in love with her. Yeah, I just was in love with the whole thing. I loved her curly hair. Isn't that a weird thing to say? There you go. That's what I felt. South, okay. South, in fact, I've just been told. South, 1959, was the earliest surviving gay-themed British TV drama. I apologise for being so dismissive. Look at me not being appreciative of my gay history. Without South, we wouldn't have anything. Loads of you wrote in to say, I'm going to read you some, oh my God, some of your favourite queer recommendations from film and telly. Beautiful Thing, first gay play and film that was positive rather than being about HIV. So true. Pose, uh, The Fifth Element, Dan81 says A Single Man. So classy, A Single Man. Love, Simon has got a lot of love. Get it out there. I'm going to play you a voice note from the lovely Ben from Tasmania. I really loved the movie Love, Simon. It had such an impact on me because I loved that it was, uh, you know, your fairly average high school romantic comedy that just happened to have a gay protagonist and a gay central love story. And I thought that was a really sweet and necessary thing. And I sort of couldn't get over imagining what my life might have been like if I had had that when I was a teenager to look to, you know? Um, I actually grew up in Tasmania while it was still illegal to be gay. And that was relatively recently, you know, I'm only 37. So I loved that about Love, Simon. And the other thing that I loved was the way that his mother responded when he came out to her. It was so beautifully written and so beautifully acted by Jennifer Garner. And I was like, there's a textbook for how a parent should respond right there. Love, Simon. Yeah, because the actor from Love, Simon then came out, didn't he, as gay, which is really interesting and a quite interesting point for chewing over in the whole gay roles for gay actors discussion, which is that playing a gay character probably helped him. Um, it's complex. It's complex. And I know it gets people really hot under the collar 
but I'm so pleased that he has been able to speak his truth, as they say. Um, and I thought Love, Simon was amazing. And then the subsequent TV shows that have been, you know, kind of born out of it, I haven't watched, but apparently amazing and a lot more diverse as well. The TV show, the mum in Love, Simon says, and how she reacts reminds me of uh, how the dad reacts in Call Me By Your Name. And I'm actually like starting to get a bit like breathless as I think about it because because it is the sort of fantasy conversation that we all wish we could have with our parents and lots of us unfortunately were not able to and there's that moment in that conversation if anyone hasn't seen it um turn off this podcast walk over to your nearest screen or device and start watching call me by your name in my opinion um but the way that timothy chamelet kind of he sort of leans down at the end of the conversation he sort of buckles towards his dad and it's such a visual version of what it is like to tell someone about who you are because you have been holding it all in for so long and it's all been so secret and you're so full of turmoil and all those moments seeing them on tv just and in films is just beautiful it's a beautiful thing to see because you realize that what's been going on in your head is does not make you mad Speaking of brilliant representation, let's look at May Martin's Feel Good as a recent TV show that everybody has been loving. And I'm going to play you a voice note from Maddie. May Martin's Feel Good, I think, is one of the best things I've ever watched. And I've recommended it to all of my friends. And so they're, they're probably sick of hearing me talk about it. But I think there's something so beautiful about how you just relax and kind of breathe a sigh of relief when you feel represented and seen especially like on screen and in popular culture and that's exactly how I felt watching it I think there's very few accurate representations of queer female love on screen so I'm so excited that it's having a second series Mandy you can talk about it as much as you like because we're not bored of hearing you talk about it I love Mae Martin I've been a fan for a long time she's a very funny comedian who she uses she and they pronouns and she's I suppose she identifies as non-binary and a woman. Um, and she's spoken a bit about gender fluidity as well. She's a comedian, and but it's a sort of female love story, her show called Feel Good. I went in for an interview to direct that show, in fact. The script was amazing and all the rest of it, but I couldn't make it work for some reason. My diary... Oh, look at that. So opposite me is like a sort of shared house situation. And... Um, I don't mind telling you that I don't really have a freezer. So what I've done is I keep my ice in their freezer. I don't think anyone's noticed yet. But what I did is I'm going to have a little cocktail party in my room at some point this week. I'm going to make martinis. So I bought loads of ice. I bought some gin and I bought some lemons. I'm going to do like a little drinks party in my room. And if anyone doesn't want a martini, that's fine. I'll also have soft drink options, which I mean vaguely warm water from the tap. No, that's not true. I'm a great host, me. And I love, I love a little drinks party. Light my candles. I've got a little sort of seating, a sitting room area. So that's uh, going to be the scene of the crime, as they say. Anyway, I think what I'm most excited about listening to all your wonderful messages and stuff is I'm excited about the future. 
And I feel like we are realizing that the small crumbs that we were thrown with things like Brokeback Mountain at the time, which are without dispute, were really important to me, for example, and I know a lot of you. I'm really excited that we are now moving into a space where we're going to get better representation for the people who have been underrepresented. And I think about like the playwright Jeremy O'Harris, who came on the podcast, please listen to his episode, who wants to tell stories about being a queer black man and what does that mean? And he is like the toast of Hollywood right now. And those stories are going to be told and, you know, there are going to be queer actors playing queer roles and all this stuff, this beautiful progression and MJ Rodriguez talking about Pose the other week on the podcast and how MJ's being offered things left, right and centre and this really genuinely hopeful future that MJ herself spoke about saying that, you know, she kind of feels like it is real what's happening and what's changing. I'm so excited about that and having each individual specific experience that people have being represented on screen because all I've heard throughout all these notes and all these messages this week is that being able to just see yourself on screen is an absolute lifeline it's entertainment and it's stories and it's all fun and it's frothy and it's a laugh but actually it's absolutely deserved and it's absolutely crucial for any sense of well-being quite frankly you know that and Haribo Hey, so shall we look at this week's Culture Club? What have you been reading? Shall I tell you what I've been reading? Uh, I'm sitting opposite a book called <coughs> Flavours of South Australia. So I've been leafing through that, trying to think about things I'm going to do on my minimal days off. It's beautiful photography. Flavours of South Australia and beautiful pho- photographic books about South Australia. And then someone on set is reading Matthew McConaughey's autobiography, which looks brilliant. Apparently it's sort of like the stream of consciousness. Very interesting. And he told this hilarious story of Graham Norton about his parents having an argument, a really aggressive argument, where I think she threw some food at him, then it ended up turning into them having sex in front of him. This is Matthew McConaughey I'm talking about. I'm not talking about my life. Uh, So, you know, interesting. Other end of the spectrum, Ryan Jordan has been reading The Velvet Rage, a classic book about being a gay man and all of that. Everyone hasn't read that. Go and have a read. Me and Will and many other people on this podcast have spoken about it endlessly. I found it really useful. I've got to say. David P. Fitz has read A Nearly Normal Family. Great Swedish crime thriller. I love a bit of Swedish crime thrillers. AD3000 has been reading James Joyce Ulysses and Virginia Woolf Room of One's Own. AD3000? amazing matthew's been reading the midnight library by matt haig which i read and i loved and i just i just a bit obsessed with matt haig how to survive a plague luke jw has read really insightful he says especially after watching it's a sin and aussie bvt says just finished the house in the cerulean sea and it's a joy oh lovely cherry pie poetry by holly mcnish laura c40 has been reading Lama has been reading hamlet by Maggie O'Farrell, and it's great, they say. Liz has written in, Hello, I love your podcast, and I want to give a recommend for a book. It's called Queer Love, and it's an Irish anthology of short queer love stories, and I big love it. Small stories from people like Mary Dorsey and Emma Donoghue, and oh, did I mention my girlfriend, Emma, E-M-E-R, so Emma, 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 Lyons, I love that name, quite a weird thing to say after I've not been able to pronounce it, but um, 
There's a name Emery, which I love. Um, Lyons has a lovely story in it. Emma Lyons has a story in it. She is from West Cork, Christopher. I tell you this because you were talking about your family in Cork. Oh, my God. See, I said I love the name. It's because we're family. Cork in Ireland. Um, anyway, it is great in capital letters and queer capital letters and love capital letters it. Ah, oh, thank you. You've been listening to loads of stuff and you've all been sending in the songs literally with that new kind of function, whatever that function is, where you can actually share directly the song. So you are all wonderful. It's a Sin by Pet Shop Boys. Dan has been listening to, um, loads of you have been listening to, um, Montero by Lil Nas X, which is that song and video that has been causing the storm ollie ted lewis has been listening to sophie and immaterial sophie who very sadly passed away recently so really really nice to see that sophie's incredible legacy lives on in your ears all of your ears laura c40 has been listening to too fast by sonda the unofficial mcdonald's has been listening to gel monet oh my goodness i have been listening to one of the lovely team on this crew uh, has, in the car in the mornings, we listen to different things. He's a thrash metal fan, but um, he also has uh, a wonderful daughter. She's really young, but uh, me and her have exactly the same taste. So I've been listening to Ariana Grande Positions and all her playlists all the time, which is great because when we listen on his Spotify, but if she if she starts playing her playlist on at home and we're out in the country, as they call it here, her music starts playing on our stereo and I'm like, oh my God, it's Dua Lipa, love it. So um, me and her have a lot in common. Ah, now cooking. Ryan's been doing lemon and olive tagine with seitan instead of chicken. Ooh, nice. Seitan is basically a bit like tofu, but it's just pure starch, I want to say. Seitan is a word, I can't remember what it is. Um, Richard Dobbs has been doing rock cakes, Nan's recipes. Ooh, nice. Andrew Barker's been cooking his goose. I think that's a joke. I don't quite understand. Uh, Laura's been doing chicken curry. Colin's been doing more cake. Colin Escunchen. That's the, that's the Bake Off guy. He's been doing chocolate hazelnut this week. Oh, my God, yum. Do you know what I've been having? I've been having soup, um, vegetable soup in the evenings, and then a thing called a damper, which is Australian kind of like scone, but savoury, quite hard, delicious. And then Jim has been doing ravioli with tomato, red pepper and vodka sauce. Hold tight, Jim. Never done that, you know. And finally, Paul's been doing Thai Masaman curry. Yum! I think that wraps up the week. Goodness me, what an absolute delight it's been. And thank you so much for writing in with all your wonderful memories. It is so lovely to hear and see how much film and TV moments means to you all and how it's been really informative to actually big parts of your identity and enabling you to relate to your family through film and TV. We didn't even talk about Sister Act. My God, what's wrong with me? Okay, so my North Star, Sister Act. And you know what? It's so funny because I was talking to a therapist about this because why not? And they said, isn't it funny that Sister Act is one of your favourite films, which is about someone hiding in plain sight and going in disguise. It's probably got something to do with being gay because she was hiding the real person that she was. <sighs> that blew my tiny mind. I have been just so grateful to you all for sending in all those lovely messages, all those lovely voice notes. Nothing cheers my week more from hearing from you all. So thank you so much. Keep writing in. Keep the discussion going. Get in touch with us about that message from John earlier as well. I want to resolve that. I want to talk about gay friendships more. 
And I think that brings us to the end. I've got to say thank you for listening to this extra special episode of Homo Sapiens Listeners. It was brought to you in partnership with Now. And I've got to tell you, you can stream the best entertainment with Now. Just search Now today and start your seven-day free trial. Now then, next week, as I mentioned earlier in my spoiler alert, in my exclusive exclusive uh In honour of this year's delayed Oscars, which are going to be held on the 26th of April, we are going to speak to Christine Vachon, a film producer extraordinaire. I first ever came across her because I read her book, Killer Films, about how to make independent cinema in America. And she is a gay woman who has produced beautiful films. She produced Carol. She produced Boys Don't Cry, Far From Heaven, so many of Todd Haynes's films. She's an absolute genius, a true force to be reckoned with, who is the sort of person who brings about change and makes the film industry a better place. I cannot wait for you to hear all her brilliant stories. I mean, they're just incredible. And she's doing this new show, Holston, about Holston, the designer who was someone who frequented Studio 54 and that whole scene. And that's just going to be an amazing show. Can't wait to watch it. But yeah, she, I cannot wait for you to chat to, to chat to her. We can't wait for you to hear her speak about all the incredible stuff that she's done with her amazing career. Until then, all I have to say to you is please, goodness, email your comments, questions, and agony uncles to hello at com. Get in touch or stay in touch with us at Homo Sapiens on Instagram or Facebook at Homo Sapiens Podcast. It's been a delight. It's been a pleasure. Do you know what I'm going to go and do now? I'm going to go and have soup and a damper with my mates. Please stay in touch and a ton of love to you all listeners. Bye for now. Powered by Spirit Studios.